Welcome to this episode of SDI Encounters, a podcast from SDI, the home of spiritual companionship. I'm Anne Lancaster. Learn more about us and our work on our website, sdicompanions.org. In today's episode, Creative Director Matt Whitney continues his podcast series entitled, My Boss is a Zen Priest. Matt speaks with SDI Executive Director Reverend Seifu about the Zen Buddhist practice of Zazen. Zazen, or seated meditation, is a contemplative practice used to still our mind, ground ourselves, and allow ourselves to connect deeply and mindfully with everything surrounding us. Reverend Seifu, we at SDI, I would say one of the perks of employment is that before staff meeting, you invite us to do a sit with you. And part of your tradition in Zen Buddhism is this practice of Zazen. What does Zazen mean? And what is it for? Zazen means seated meditation. The term Zen means meditation. So the Zen school is the meditation school and Zazen just means seated meditation. What is it for? It's the principal tool used in Zen Buddhism and arguably in all of Buddhism to still our mind and to ground ourselves and allow us to connect deeply and intimately and mindfully with everything around us. And so it has at its core, it's a contemplative practice. It's a contemplative practice, absolutely. And what does that mean? Like, what is a contemplative practice supposed to do to somebody? You know, we operate on multiple levels of awareness, even when we're not aware of them, which sounds like a contradiction in terms. But there's lots of ways that we are connected, that we connect to each other. Language, obviously, is the easiest way. We use these sounds that we make with our vocal boxes and vocal cords to communicate with each other but we also communicate with each other through body language, through eyes, through thoughts and formulas, through written words, through music, through art. And we communicate with the world at large on those levels as well. The song of a bird, the wind blowing through the trees, the sunset, the sunrise. So we're always operating on multiple levels of awareness simultaneously. I mean, we're these incredible microphones, we human beings. We have these amazing abilities, almost supernatural abilities to connect with everything, not just with each other, but with the cosmos, with the universe, with anything that's happening. We call it the beyond, the things that happen beyond our theoretical constructs. And meditation is the tool that allows us to amplify our awareness to bring it to the foreground instead of having sit in the background to bring it to the foreground so that we can connect deeply and intimately with the universe okay so that sounds awesome and it's interesting to me that the paradox in the sitting meditation is that you are maybe simultaneously doing nothing And yet you are also connecting to the cosmos and the universe and God and all of these things. Yeah, it appears like we're doing nothing and we're actually doing everything. 
it's the opposite of doing nothing. We're doing the most that we can do. And even though we may ourselves not be aware of it, but by being still and truly listening, you know, we say in Zen, you listen with every pore of your awareness of your body, not just with your ears, but with everything, all of your senses, you're tapping in and you're connecting. So connecting deeply and intimately through this practice that basically allows us to recognize the harmony between how we are as sentient beings, as breathing, thinking, feeling, emoting beings with everything that has made us and that we're connected to on a deeper level. And so breathing is a vital part of the sitting. There is a thing that somebody is doing. They are mindful of breath. Can you talk about that? So breathing is the way that we still our mind, our very active mind, which is a wonderful faculty that we have, a unique faculty that we human beings have, is we can think and we can process and we can analyze and we can discriminate and theorize and speculate and all these wonderful things. But that is just one tool that we have. There is another tool, arguably a lot stronger, that just allows us to manifest who we truly are, these truly supernatural beings in some ways that are connected deeply and intimately. And breathing is the way that we tap in to the breath of the universe, to the breath of God, the breath of however you might want to describe that. And it also allows us to still our minds in the sense of not denying our thoughts, but just saying we're making room for a deeper level of intimacy with the universe around us. And that's the breath. By focusing on the breath, it's easier to connect, much easier to connect. I think one of the biggest errors that I know I have as a amateur meditator is there's a difference between thinking that you shouldn't be thinking and then like acknowledging that the thinking mind is always sort of chattering, but it's learning how to let go rather than trying to stop it. Yes. Can you talk about the difference between trying to stop thinking, which is impossible, and letting go of thinking, which is really the intention? I would just say it's not impossible to not be thinking, which is a different thing than stopping thinking, right? It's quite possible to find ourselves in these states of awareness where thought is very peripheral, where thought is not involved, right? Where you're standing at the top of a mountain and every pore of your body is going, ah, right? And you're connecting on such a deep level that the last thing you want to do is think about it. You just want to be in it, right? Mm -hmm. And we all have those moments. So it is possible to put thinking in its place, if you will. It is not possible to do if you're fighting against it, you're feeding it. But it's possible to relax into a state of grace, you might even say, of plenitude and serenity and samadhi is what the Hindus call it and what we call it in Buddhism as well, which is just this serenity and tapping in that is deeply intuitive and deeply emotive where we are beyond ourselves, where we are beyond our thoughts. And the way to do that is a simple breathing exercise. All of this lofty rhetoric that I'm giving you is translated into a really, really down-to-earth, very simple practice. Yeah. Well, that's what I love about it. And what I love talking to you about is this is sort of like wonderfully simple 
and yet amazingly complex both at the same time. I know a lot of our members, a lot of our community is engaged in centering prayer and, you know, centering prayer can look a lot like Zazen, but from a Christian perspective, there's an understanding of centering prayer that you are making the intention to simply be present to God and to not have any other expectation except to just be. And whatever happens, happens. But there's a similar kind of giving oneself over to a larger reality and allowing that larger reality to kind of do its work on you. But you also are, I think, talking about that in a similar way. You're talking about sitting and being interconnected with the cosmos and everything else. It's not a coincidence, and you're probably far more knowledgeable about censoring prayer than I am, but my understanding is that Thomas Keating, who was one of the main proponents of centering prayer, actually drew his inspiration from Buddhist meditative practices, among others, but principally from Buddhist meditative practices, that he adopted those and kind of gave them a Christian focal lens, if you will, which is just as wonderful. I mean, we're basically all talking about the heart of mysticism, right? which is a terrible term in some ways. Mysticism sounds like it's elusive and reserved for the few. You said yourself earlier that you're an amateur meditator. And, you know, if we define meditation as breathing, at least as soon as you were out of the wound, you're an expert at breathing, right? We know how to breathe because it's what keeps us alive. And so it's really just about reconnecting with that. This is the thing about thoughts, right? We're talking about something that is beyond thinking in some ways but we can call it God, we can call it the universe, we can call it Jesus or Buddha or Muhammad or Zoroaster or our partners and our children, whatever it is, our guitars, our paintbrushes, whatever you wanna call it. And it's the same thing. The essence of the thing is the same, which is just this profound communion, stilling ourselves so that we can hear some greater portion of everything that we normally do. So that we have less filters, the filters of our brains, the filters of our intellect, and open ourselves up to myriad other ways of experiencing what it's like to be in communion with God, if you're using centering prayer, or the universe, if you're using Zazen, or many other different ways that it can be described. I want to keep talking about that, but I also just want to talk about how to sit. There is a way to sit in Zen Buddhism. There is a technique. There is a posture. Let's talk about some of those. What is the correct way to sit? Everyone is going to be slightly different because we all have different bodies and different capabilities. But there are certain basic things that everyone can do to enhance their ability to connect. And the first is to sit. And when we say sit in many forms of meditation, Zen meditation, it's ideally you have to be well grounded. And the traditional postures that we use are, are the same that are used around the world and in other religions and Hinduism and 
in Christianity as well, is to be very grounded, to sit either on the floor in a cross-legged position with your knees firmly planted on the ground, whether you're sitting on your knees. I remember praying when I was a kid, I was raised Catholic, and we would go into church and we would get on our knees and we would pray. And it's interesting, what that does is it grounds you into the soil, and it grounds you into something beyond the soil as well, whatever the pew was or the ground. And so if you can't sit in a lotus position, you can sit on your knees, you can sit cross-legged in various different types of position. They're known as Burmese or quarter lotus, half lotus, full lotus positions. And most people can sit in Burmese position, which is crossing your legs and letting one rest in front of the other. If you're right-handed, you will tend to put the left leg in front and the right leg behind. If you're left-handed, you'll do the reverse. It's interesting. And those are comfortable and propped up on a sufficient cushion, right? And that depends on your height and other body characteristics you might have. So if you're super tall, you're going to need a taller cushion. And if you are shorter, you need a shorter cushion but down to the ground as much as possible while still being comfortable. No one should be sitting in a meditative posture in pain. So if you're in pain or discomfort, you need to adjust your posture or change posture or considering consider sitting on a chair. So people have no choice but to sit on a chair. So if you're sitting on a chair, you're well grounded, you're sitting in an upright posture, meaning your back is straight, your neck and your head are straight, but not stiff, right? So one of the things about our postures is that what we're going for ideally is a perfect blend between nicely grounded without being stiff. And the reason why you avoid stiffness is stiffness causes anxiety. If you're all scrunched up like this or you're holding a position super, super tight, it's going to make you anxious by definition. The opposite is also true if you're laying all over the place you're gonna to go to sleep. The nice balance between nicely grounded without being too stiff or too loose, somewhere in between. And you put your mudra position, which is left hand over right, and with your thumbs together, kind of making a little oval shape, and you stick that in front of your navel area. And you're basically breathing in and out of that. We count from one to 10, it allows us to focus on the breath and allows us to not be distracted by thoughts, anxieties, or other things that might pull on us. It just basically says, focus on the breath. Just your breathing as deeply as possible without forcing it again. And it'll naturally, the breath will get deeper and deeper as we go along. We keep our eyes open because we're trying not to drift off into space or fall asleep, but they're only partially open and they're downcast, gently gazing. We're not staring at anything. And that's basically it. If you lose the count, you start counting again. If you have thoughts, you don't try to deny them. As you were saying earlier, you say, okay, I thought it's nice. I'm not going to focus on you right now. I'm just going to park you because I'm focused on my breath right now. And I always use the metaphor of being on a train and you see a landscape coming like a thought. And, you know, here it comes, here it comes. And there it goes, there it goes. Pretty soon you don't see it. It's behind you. And that's basically it. And if you can sit for five minutes, you get benefit. If you can sit for 10 minutes, you get benefit. 
it usually takes a little while to kind of get into the frame of awareness. I find 20 minutes, 25 minutes is a good time that most people can hold comfortably. And you should proceed according to your comfort level. Yeah. With the knees, the importance of being connected to the ground. What I've learned is that you mentioned Burmese and Lotus and half Burmese, but cross-legged is not correct. Yes. You want your legs to be on the ground, right? So they're not on top of each other. And it's also perfectly appropriate to just sit in a chair with your feet on the floor. It takes some getting used to. I mean, you can meditate walking. Runners do it. Bikers do it. You don't even think about it. You just get into a groove. When you're in that groove, it's like you could be biking for a mile or biking for 10 miles and you don't notice the difference, you know, because you're in that groove. And so you can do it on a chair, absolutely. And you mentioned this too. One of the things that I was surprised by is you don't close your eyes. Most people think when you go into meditation, you close your eyes, but that's actually not accurate. There's lots of different types of meditations. Some meditations, you think about colors. In Zen, we don't close our eyes because as soon as you close your eyes, you start to drift off into dreamland. And eyes wide open is also super hard, but eyes partially shut and downcast where the eyes are gazing, but you're aware of where you are. You're not trying to escape or disappear from your location and drift off into some altered state of consciousness. You are where you are and you're grounded. You're just trying to be more fully aware of just how rich being in a quiet place is and how not only does it not constrain you, it actually liberates you. That's the whole point of meditation is it frees you, it liberates you. Right. And I think that was maybe the biggest misconception that I had and probably a lot of people have had about meditation and why they like having the eyes open. I think it was the biggest moment of awareness for me that it is not about transcending the present moment. It's about as being as fully in the present moment as you possibly can and experiencing the richness of that. That's well said. I mean, it's an interesting combination because actually being fully present in this moment means being fully present in every moment, <laughs> right? It's not just this tiny little moment. It becomes this eternal moment. Being present in the moment fully means you're present in eternity fully. You're present in the full array of possibilities and of unfolding and becoming and transcending, whatever words you want to throw at it. All of those become possible simply by being still and quiet. That's why we always say about be present in this moment. Be here now, right? This is Ram Das. Be here now. That's it. In Zen, we say there's three things. Sit, breathe, and listen. And of course, it's sit on a big scale, listen on a big scale, breathe on a big scale, and a small scale at the same time. The small becomes large. The last thing I think that I wanna ask you about is, and you hinted at this, we sort of carry that eternal now, that present moment with us out of the meditation. It's not just about being in the meditation. Yeah, once we remember ourselves, remember our deepest connection, it becomes an integral part of us. But it's something that needs to be practiced and practiced again and again. So, you know, everyone is a beginner meditator. 
I am, you know, I've been doing this for over 40 years and I'm, every time I sit, there's something new that manifests, there's something new that happens. And as much as the deeper I go, the more I can carry this awareness with me into my daily life, into my relationships, into my professional life, but I have to keep doing it. It's like feeding yourself, right? You have to feed yourself every day, a little bit. It doesn't have to be superhuman meditation efforts, just a few minutes. Or if you are feeling unsettled or ungrounded, you sit and you catch your breath for five minutes. And I guarantee that you'll feel better after you come back from that. You'll be able to recompose yourself. So it's kind of carrying that technique and our awareness and our ability to sink back into that space that makes more permanent changes in our awareness. Okay, final question. Can you speak to sitting in a community with other people versus sitting alone? There's a difference there. Yeah, there's a difference. Sitting alone is wonderful. And I've done a lot of sitting alone and it's great to compose yourself and find some peace of mind when you need it. But sitting with others, you know, we're social beings. We're all interconnected and not just with each other, but with everything at large. And so sitting together in a group is a wonderful opportunity because the lines between you and others start to break down and dissipate, right? You realize you're a part of something much bigger that transcends our individual egos and that we're part of a much larger awareness or much larger gift or invitation from the universe. We're all in this together, is what I would say. And sitting in community is a manifestation of we're all in this together. There is actually no separation between us. We think there is, but there really isn't. We are one, truly. I've noticed that sitting together, there's a sense of obligation that one has when sitting with other people, not just to like uphold the posture or whatever, but there is a sense of like sitting for the others in the room. Maybe there's a sense of transparency or empathy or something. But it's like everyone is here kind of together doing this, it's just very humbling. It's very vulnerable. It's very intimate, really, to just share silence together. Absolutely. We hold each other up. This is a way of embracing each other, of supporting each other, where you see you're struggling with anxiety or sadness or loss or despair. And we all have those moments. We're humans. We all have those moments. And we sit together with others and we collectively raise each other up. It's the same thing as being in community in a church or a synagogue or a mosque. Sitting together, being in community together, we're stronger together than we are apart. If you're enjoying this podcast and you want to help us share and spread the word, about the life-giving practice of spiritual companionship, you can help us out by subscribing to this podcast through your favorite app. You could give us a like or even write us a review. Thank you for listening. This is Matt Whitney with Spiritual Directors International. Thanks again for listening. Your time and your presence here are deeply appreciated. If you liked this show and would like us to continue making them, please do subscribe now while it's fresh on your mind. Also, we would love to hear from you, so please feel free to send in your comments and suggestions to the email address podcast at sdiworld.org. 
SDI is the home of spiritual companionship. Learn more about us and our work on our website, sdicompanions.org.